Welcome to Christian Warrior Talk, proudly presented by Christian Warrior Mission. Hosted by former Navy SEAL, SWAT officer, and atheist, now a warrior for Jesus Christ, Pastor Jason Perry. This is more than just a podcast. It's a spiritual vanguard where we intentionally set aside the hustle of our daily lives to come together. We gather to study the Bible, share in heartfelt prayer, and engage in meaningful discussions about all things Christian, homesteading, prepping, and self-defense. Lock shields with us, and together, we will hold the line. And now, let's meet your host, Pastor Jason Perry. You are listening to the Patriot Crusader Mission Podcast, where Christian warriors are forged. Here, you will find our talk show, Christian Warrior Talk, sermons, and Bible studies with Pastor Jason Perry. Join us to become the Christian warrior you are called to be. All right, hello everyone and welcome to Patriot Crusader Mission, a church for veterans, first responders, and patriots. As you guys can tell, we've been hard at work. I want to thank Woody. Woody, please stand up. Stand up. I want to thank Woody for helping me finish this up here. And as you notice, it's trim everywhere around the windows and the doors. And we finished this. And he's also the architect, plumber, the electrician, the, <laughs> the garbage guy, and, uh, and everything else. And hopefully the... You know, not too long, we're getting ready to knock out the back wall, which is behind the camera and behind you guys. We're going to go 12 more feet that way and extend this out to add several more rows. So uh, we're really excited how it's turning out. It's still a diamond in the rough. You know, we we still know we're in in a a former garage kind of garage, but it won't feel that way soon. And um, I'm so thankful for everyone who came over and has been a part of this. Uh, getting this to where it needs to be because if it was just up to me, I don't really, really know how to do all this. But I did nail 99% of these boards. I'm good with a nail gun. Gun is in there. I'm good with it. All right. All right. So <clears throat> I want to remind you guys that there's a couple things we have to go over today before we get into prayer and into the sermon here. Um, mind everyone that there is a Bible study that you don't have to be on live, but if you want to go line by line, verse by verse through the Bible, it's there Monday through Friday, around 10, I go live, but it's curated forever on YouTube, on um, on our channel on YouTube, on Facebook, and on LinkedIn. You choose your flavor, and you can go there, and you can watch it. And it starts at Genesis 1-1, and we're on, I think, Exodus 8 something like that now. So um, it's, it's been a blast. My goal was to do this, was to be able to defend every word of the Bible. And I think when you go from the front and you go to the back, and by allowing us, by allowing me to do that during the week, it allows me to do topicals on the weekends, which I think are really important to address issues that we are struggling with as a congregation or as a country or as a community right now. So I believe very strongly in line by line, verse by verse, but I also believe that sometimes you have to drop everything and address the, the, what, what's going on in the world. You know, sometimes it works out that you happen to be at the right place at the right time. And it's great. Other times, not so much. All right. 
So Wednesday's fast. How many people here fast on Wednesday? <laughs> All right. So uh, I really encourage you. You don't have to give up everything. You can do a liquid diet. I know that most people in here could afford to lose a pound or, or two. So, <laughs> so a fast on Wednesday might be a really good thing for you, right? Think of the health benefits, right? You'll be getting become. I mean. I mean, I know we're all preppers, right? I know we are all carrying about a month's worth of food or so on us. But maybe we only want to go down in like a week or two. <laughs> right. So uh, that's that. Obviously, given our all virtual uh, music here, which let me turn this off. So um, we still need... Musicians, Lauren said, as soon as we have a musician, she's ready to sing and belt them out the whole way. So you don't even have to be good. <laughs> she said her inner soul is saying that. She's just not verbalizing that with her mouth yet. I know that the Holy Spirit's working on her. I can hear her when I'm singing. I'll slow down. I'll climb. Like she's stretching that. She's, she's stretching her voice a little bit. Up, oh, baby puke in aisle four. <laughs> Clean up an aisle four already. But that usually means she's not going to get upset because she just got rid of whatever was there. So for those of you who can't see, that is our child, Anya, who is like old faithful. <laughs> the sermon starts and some drama will ensue. <laughs> um, so again, we could also use volunteers for setup, dig down parking, Sitting out there, I ordered two four-by-three signs that are double-sided that'll be out there on the yard so people will know that we're here because I know people have come here and they don't really know where we're at because they don't. It's too cold to open up those doors right now. Well, they see the truck, but they're like, well, where's the church? <laughs> right? So they're like, oh, there's a house. And then there's like three other barns and none of them look like they're on. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So one of the news things I wanted to talk about today that's pretty serious for our community is I am a member of one of these um, living in Johnson City, Tennessee groups on Facebook. And one, somebody in there posted about, you know, something that I did not see last year, but we weren't here yet. But we were here during this time. The Rainbow Festival, Saturday, June 25th, um, at the Pavilion at Founders Park, put on by the Pride Community Center. That is a LGBTQ event here in our town that I posted in Johnson City Freedom about it, and I actually had people come after me in that group saying, well, why do you care about LGBTQ if they leave you alone? The answer is they never leave you alone. They hold people. I have worked these events as a cop. They are not people just walking around with rainbow flags most of the time. They may start that way, but they end up into full triple X leather suits, ball gags, something out of Pulp Fiction that you don't even want to see. People walking around in full gimp outfits, and any kid who's walking by is subjected to that. All right. It also turns into all kinds of other sexual activity, drugs, all those things for everyone around uh, the situation. 
And then beyond the sexual aspect of it, there's the madness of calling men women, women men. Um, I remember back in the 80s, hello, this here, everyone, is the person we've been playing, praying for. So obviously doing really good. His lungs work. <laughs> and he's got a good big brother there helping him out. So my, my problem with this is soon you embrace this and you tolerate this and you don't challenge it. Then they're going to be telling, they're going to be in your bathrooms. You're going to have men in your women's bathrooms. You're going to have, you're going to be forced by law to call them whatever they, if they identify as a rainbow dragon that day, you're going to have to call them Mr. or Mrs. Or I'm sorry, that's, that, that's, I just screwed it up right there. You're going to have to call them rainbow dragon that day, right? There are, in Canada, you cannot preach parts of the Bible because it's considered hate speech against the LGBTQ community. So this whole freedom, you know, farce that it's a problem to infringe upon that, it's not an infringement about what they do in their bedroom. That's between them and God. It's them coming out and forcing the whole community to embrace what they're doing and to put a stamp of approval on what they're doing. I don't go out and say, hey, I have sex with my wife, right? I march down the street and it's, hey, I have sex with my wife day, right? No, I don't do that. You guys don't do that, right? But they want to drag you into their bedroom and then get them to endorse their sin. We all have plenty of sins, right? And we talk about it and we repent upon it. But theirs is pride, pride, a sin. The very nature of it is elevating themselves over God, right? So again, you know, I, I've gotten, I've had nothing but good things to say about Johnson City Freedom up until this, but they are, we're not all on the same page. And I put, I put the feelers out there with pastors to see if we wanted to go do a loving protest or a counter event. Crickets. Crickets. You know, shame on them is all I have to say, right? So I want to figure out with you guys what we want to do on that. I know people have jobs and things to consider and all that, and I don't want to put anyone in a rough spot. But I do think we need to do something class, classy with love. It's not you're all going to burn in hell signs. That doesn't work, right? It just makes us look judgmental, right? But informing is not, right? So I think we have to debate on this, talk about this, put our heads together, and come up with a solution to say, hey, we're not going to let this go unchallenged, right? Unchallenged is the way to go about it. Again, I don't go around screaming about my be- my bedroom life, neither should you, right? I don't think there's any no- anything noble about your sexual activity, right? Why- this is how twisted it's got that now it's being taught in our grade schools. I taught in our grade schools. So again, I thought I'd seen the end of it, but this is how it started a long time ago in Boston. Holding hands, walking around with flags. Then the people walking around on dog chains, crawling around on all floors, getting spanked, and all kinds of ridiculous things that you wouldn't believe that I can't unsee. Right? So that's what we're looking at. Drag queens used to be funny. Right back in the day, in the eighties and nineties, we laughed at them, RuPaul and all, because we knew it was a dude. He wasn't saying he wasn't a dude. He was a drag queen. But now they're being forcing us to deny, and they're forcing us to lie. When you get a Supreme Court nominee, nominee who can't even define woman, what does that say? What does that say? 
You know, and again, it's not worse than any other sin, other sins. Murder is worse. I understand. Adultery is is bad. You know, all these things are bad, but we don't go around and have an adultery parade. We don't have a murders anonymous parade. Well, murder's not anonymous anyway. <laughs> you know, so again, anytime you're putting pride on there, you're you're you should get on the armor of God before you um, start even thinking about engaging in that. And again, it's weaponized by the left as faux compassion, fake compassion. Is it compassionate to make someone feel good? Yes, but at the cost of them burning in hell for eternity? No. There's such a thing as called tough love, right? That's our job to be the tough love of the world. Maybe you go up there and you leave with your sin and say, hey, I struggle with more things than you can imagine. I get it. You know, and help them, but it, it can't. We shouldn't be celebrating any sin. So, all right. And then um, I saw that the Republicans are calling for a massive investigation in the FBI. There was an internal report done where they violated religious groups, politicians, everyone who's an enemy of the left, they have been investigating, spying on, tapping phones, the whole spiel. And I pray to dear Lord Jesus that we win the election so we can actually get some justice in this country, some transparency back in this tr- country. And we must primary every rhino first. I understand that we have to be Democrats, and I understand we have to be the godless left. But we can no longer have traitors in our house because what do they do? They rise to the top of leadership and they're the ones in all the mainstream media when they need a traitor to speak against us and paint us in a bad light, to paint God in a bad light, they throw the local Mormon on with Mitt Romney. who's not even a Christian, a cult member up there. And that's the face of Christianity in the, in the, in the Republican Party on MSNBC, CBS, ABC, and all the rest of them, all right? So again... Um, just be aware of that. Um, things in the Ukraine, you know, are the same way they were last week. Um, just understand again that we're being propagandized. I am hopeful that there will be a resolution shortly, unless the worst of the worst are in charge of this, which is possible. I can't see a motivation for any reason for them to continue much longer, unless it's to crash the world economy, which we have talked about, which means that all your bank dollars and your and your all your dollars that are sitting in the bank account become worth one to one hundred, one to one thousand of their value, which means buy stuff that makes stuff, <laughs> right? So chickens make eggs, cows make milk, um, potatoes make potatoes, as I've learned, <laughs> you know, um, and then things that allow you to work. Right, prioritize things because they're going nowhere but up. And people know this because we if you bought a truck within the last year, even though now it's used, you can sell it for as much as you did when you bought it brand new for the first time in history. What was the rule? Don't ever buy new because the second you drive it off the lot, it goes down 10 grand. Well, now you can take it, drive it for a year and sell it for the same thing you got it for. Right? And then and then used vehicles are even going further. It's probably another typhoon out there. We've just been having you know, hurricane force winds blowing everything everywhere. So unless that door comes down, we're good. <laughs> or it's the FBI. <laughs> All right.
Christian Warrior Talk is sponsored by Trident Shield, your trusted ally in violence preparedness. Trident Shield safeguards your loved ones with expert training and consulting. Trident Shield, defending faith through preparedness because together we save lives. So we're going to pray um, and then we're going to get into the sermon. And I'm going to read some scripture to you. Um, I call this uh, sermon the forging of Jesus Christ. So my whistle here. And we're going to be in Matthew 3. So, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you with fear and trembling. Again, to be your word up here, to speak from your holy text, your holy Bible, the word, you, Lord. Lord, give us all discernment to be able to see the truth and the wisdom and the will for our lives in your words, Lord. Lord, send your Holy Spirit down now and search out every person in this congregation. Find their sin, Lord, and bring it to the surface. That place that they've been keeping from you, that one spot right in the center of their heart, start working on it, Lord. Crack it open, bring it to the surface so that they may be healed where they're at. Lord, you are the God of, a God of war, the God of spiritual war and kinetic. Help us in our spiritual battles, Lord, and in our fleshly ones. We need you more than we've ever needed you. The world is shifting away from you, Lord, but we will stand strong. Help us to not budge one more inch. Help us to take ground for your kingdom, Lord. To take new mountains, to take new high ground, as well as valleys, Lord. Lord, I pray a prayer of protection over this congregation. I pray Prayer protection for our first responders at home, our troops overseas, patriots fighting for freedom all around the world, and I pray for peace in the Ukraine. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, B, your favorite word. <laughs> I don't know. They can't even see her. They're missing out on the trotting down. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So starting at Matthew 3, John the Baptist prepares the way. This is the word of the Lord. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he, uh, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. They 
were baptized by him in the river. When they saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now his axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus said, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Continuing in Matthew 4. And then we're going to break this down as we go through. The temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For It is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus begins his ministry. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death, on them a light was dawned. 
From that time, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Almost done. Jesus calls his first disciples. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, where they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat, and their father followed him. Finally, Jesus ministers to great crowds. And he went through all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and to Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. All right, I know that was a lot. I'm going to break it down as, as we go through it. So John the Baptist, John the Baptist, who Jesus asked later, who was John the Baptist? And he said he was Elijah, come back. He was there to, to make the road straight for Jesus. This is showing you that even Jesus himself did not operate alone. He had people preparing the way for him. God, the Father, had been preparing the way for him for centuries, right? With the prophets, with Isaiah talking about him and the rest and all the other prophets pointing to him, right? Now, Jesus is one of the finest examples of leadership you will ever see, right? He is a lead from the front kind of guy. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, right? But what is he doing? He's leading the example for you. Right? He comes up to John, and the first thing he says is, yeah, I need to be baptized by you. And John's like, whoa, <laughs> what are you talking about? Right? You need to baptize me. And he says no, and he goes back to Isaiah, and he's going back there, referring to passages in the Old Testament. Jesus is leading the way as an example on how to do a ministry. And you're going to see in the next step, which is the most, I believe, one of the more important steps. So he does a public declaration, goes down, comes up. You know, everyone else has to repent for the sins. Jesus does not. And immediately the father shouts down at him, this is my son of who I am well pleased. And then what does Jesus do, right? Jesus goes off before he starts his ministry. He doesn't start preaching. He's not saying repent for the kingdom is near right then and there. He's not talking. He's not doing any of that, what's he go do? He goes into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days to be tempted by the devil, right? He goes out there and immediately tests his metal. Goes out there and faces his body's weakness because he is a human, right? He is a human. It's okay if you walk in front of the camera. No one cares. It's all good. We're not, we're not that high speed. <laughs> so, so here he is. He's led from the front. And the very next thing he does, he doesn't go party, doesn't go on a vacation. He goes out in the wilderness for 40 days, which runs parallel to Israel 
being sent to the wilderness for 40 years to work through their issues, right? So I don't know if that's someone out there trying to get in. Hopefully Lauren will be able to figure that out if she's out there. So he goes out there, and what's he do? He makes himself weak. How do we make ourselves weak? Well, Jesus starves himself. He fasts and eats nothing for 40 days. I don't advise that, okay? Now, Jesus wasn't like us. He wasn't a prepper, right? You're going to be talking about some people down there that probably didn't have a lot of extra meat on their body. And that's the point. He went out there to be as weak as he possibly could to come face to face with the devil. He was there just like Moses, if you remember, for those of you who have been watching, um, not just like Moses, but it's pretty, it's compa- it runs parallel to this. Moses, who God had just chosen as his champion, is on his way back to Egypt to fight Pharaoh. But Moses didn't circumcise his son, okay, as is commanded in the, you know, by Abraham, the covenant of Abraham, you have to circumcise your son. In the Old Testament, we don't have to do that today, so don't worry about it. If there's anyone out there who's being like, whew, holy smokes. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, God was coming to kill Moses because he, he had chosen him. He was literally there. The angel of the Lord was there to slay Moses because Moses had listened to his wife. His wife didn't want to circumcise his child. And you can see in her overreaction, she actually, while the angel's there, cuts off his foreskin and throws it at Moses' feet and basically says, you are a, a husband of, of blood, you know, and, and is overreacting, showing that, that Moses had caved to his wife, had not done what God had commanded him, and he had to get that right before he could represent God in a real way with his people. This is Jesus giving us a model, being baptized, going out to do battle with the devil before he starts ministering. Right before the whole world stakes themselves on him, he's going out there to do battle. So he goes out there, he starves himself, he gets weak, and the devil comes. And the devil tempts him with things that you know, some people say he tempted him with foolish things, other people say that he tempted him with, with wise things. But let's go and let's look at what the devil tempted Jesus with. So pick it up. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, who is God, the Son of God and God, is relying on the Bible to do battle with the devil. What makes you think that you can battle with the devil without the Bible? If literally God himself is going to scripture to fight the devil and quoting it back to him, why on earth do we try to fight him with just our own toughness? You know how many to- how long I walked in sin because I was a seal and I was going to beat this and I was going to do this and no, I don't need anyone's help? That's the sin of pride and the pride will drag you down to hell faster than anything else. So here is God himself quoting scripture. All right. So then 
He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, again, it is written, you should not put the the Lord your God to the test. I want to unpack this verse a little bit because there are a lot of Christians out there who are testing the God every day because they don't want to do the work. They want a great marriage and they pray for a great marriage, but they do nothing to have a great marriage. They want to be great at a sport, but they don't practice the sport, right, Uh, for the younger kids. They want everything. Their wish list is huge, but what do they do? What do they sacrifice? What cross do they bear? What do they do with their due diligence so that God can meet them there? Right? That is the question that we all have to answer. And time and time again, churches will not post security, right? Which I have my SIG for the sanctuary right here. Just letting you guys know so you can feel good. I know I put a bunch of alpha males with their back to the door, but we're good. Right? Thank you. So they have churches. Countless churches around America today say, oh, we're trusting on the Lord to protect us when they have been gifted by common grace to have new to have news to be informed that these active shooters happen and that people walk in there, right? You don't need a prophet to tell you that somebody might want to walk in and shoot up a church, right? People have paid with their lives for that. We have seen the videos of that. So guess what? That is common grace. So guess what? Our job is to pray that God gives the people that we put around us the skill to handle that, and we've done our job then. We're not counting on Michael to come down here and slay some dude to do that because that's not going to happen. We have to do our part. Jesus with the loaves and fishes, he didn't say, he didn't create something out of nothing. They had to give him what they had. They literally had to share everything they had, give up everything they had to, to get what God wanted them to do. You think if they held back anything, it would have worked? No, they had to trust, have faith in Jesus that he was going to do what he said he was going to do. Think in your lives the things that you're praying on. What are you not doing to make that happen? Whatever that is, everyone's got different ones. Make sure you're doing your due diligence. Make sure you meet God halfway with effort and sacrifice. And if your prayer list is a wish list, you missed the point. <laughs> right? You should be praying on how you can serve God, not how God can serve you. Right? My life got extremely interesting very quickly when I changed the way I prayed. I had to pray, God, you made me this way for whatever reason. You've given me a certain skill set. You've given me one of the Trouble, most troublesome personalities on the planet at times. Um, yeah. <laughs> Finally, an amen. Um, use me for what you made me for. And I put no limitations on that. Once I prayed that prayer, within 48 hours, my life changed drastically. And then it was a, an avalanche after that. Just going, going, going. So I wanted to to talk about that again. Then the next thing, 
And in verse 8, again, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. A lot of people don't realize what that devil was offering there. He was giving Jesus away out of the cross. He was saying, I'm going to give you everything that you want with no pain, no suffering, no humiliation. Here's your easy ticket. All you're going to do is just bow down and say, I'm, you know, and worship me. And you can have everything you want without the cross. How many of us want everything without the cross? Every one of us. Every one of us. Jesus doesn't say pick up his cross. He says pick up your cross. He doesn't ask you to go through the same exact thing. He's not asking you to, to go get flayed and beat up and, and, and everything else and, and nailed to a tree. He's not asking that. But he is telling you that you are going to suffer in his name for, to, for your, to serve him. And while we avoid that, and while we fight that with everything that we've got, we go all the way over to the enemy's camp trying to stay comfortable instead of just embracing, honoring Lord, the Lord and staying faithful. So let's now, now, Jesus comes out of there and the angels come down. He's passed the test. The angels start ministering to him, you know, and, you know, now he's in his vacation, right? His brief vacation, however long that was, right? Um, and then he begins his ministry. So, declaration, challenge, victory. Now I can go forward. Now I can go out there and, and, and spread God's word and be who God made me to be. <clears throat> And what is his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Very similar to what John the Baptist was saying at the time, and John had just been arrested. He didn't come out right away and say, love one another. He didn't come out and go into parables. The most important thing he ever said was the first thing he said at that point was, repent. Repent. What does repent mean? There are Christians who aren't even Christians who think they're Christians because they haven't repented. Repentant doesn't mean to feel guilty. It's part of it. Doesn't mean to be like, oh man, I got caught now. Because I got caught, I'm going to deal with the consequences. That's not what it's about. Repent is a change of heart. It means when I used to cuss like a sailor and every other word out of my mouth was a bad word, and then overnight that went away, that's the Holy Spirit working on me, I mean, being out of tune with that. That is, that is an example of my heart changing. When I cuss, I now know I'm doing bad, right? I know I'm doing bad. Do I still do it at times? 
yep, and I have to repent for it and turn and ask for forgiveness. Repentance isn't an aw shucks thing. If you were in the Old Testament, you'd have to spend like three months' salary to afford the animals that you did, that you'd have to slaughter to be able to get right from your sins. Right? Here, we just have, oh man, I beat my wife again. Sorry, Lord. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. I, next week, am going to show the whipping scene before service of the Passion of Christ. So the kids, I don't, you guys are you guys are parents, you make your own decisions if you want them to see that. That's what I'm going to play, and then we'll pause it for those who didn't want to come in and see that. Because I think people don't understand what Jesus went through. Before you sin next, on whatever it is your sin is, watch that and realize you did that to him. And I guarantee you, you will have second thoughts. But that is the cost of sin. It's not, there, is, there isn't, when you sin, there is a cost in it. And that's what the price that Jesus paid. Until, and I said this last week when we did communion and we're going to do it again this week. Until you personalize your sin. Until you understand that you own those stripes on Jesus' body. The flesh that was ripped off his skin. And he loved you through it. Imagine being tortured to death and not having one bad thought. Not one bleep you moment. Because that would have been a sin. The impossibility of that and the scope of that is impossible. That's why only Jesus can do it. So who here has not been baptized? Anyone? Has anyone been? All right. Who has been baptized? This will be easier. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. Good. Good. Baptism is one of the most sacred things we can do along with the Lord's Supper. It's a public declaration. Is it required for your salvation? No, it is not required for your salvation. But why in God's green earth wouldn't you do it if you know it pleases God? Somebody who is willing to be tortured to death for you, if you could make him smile, I'd do anything to make Jesus smile. Because I know so many times he wept over my sin. Looking down from heaven being like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself again? Please stop. Here's my word. It'll lead you home. I'll meet you halfway. I get a picture above my bed. I don't know. I'll ask Lauren to bring it. Lauren, if you're watching, can you bring the Jesus picture? It's a picture of Jesus looking down above the surface of the water, thrusting his hand in the water because you're drowning to rescue you. I know people who are hard-hearted who refuse to be baptized because they said it's not necessary. 
If there's one time in my life where I don't want to do the minimum standard, it's pleasing Jesus. I don't want to just coast in, right? I want to go in there and I hope I see in his eyes everything that I don't deserve. That there to me sums it all up on what we're all going through. And all we're going to do is reach up and take his hand and repent. Because every time you sin, you are hurting this man. Our Lord and Savior. Sorry, get a little emotional on this topic. So now I want to go into a couple verses about baptism and then we'll do the Lord's Supper and we'll wrap it up because I know everyone's probably hungry and everything else. So I'm going to go to, you don't have, I'm going to jump around like I always do so don't bother keeping up. And for you guys with the little Bibles, it's not even, a lot of it won't even be in the little Bibles, just the full Bible. (laughs) That'll, you know, I I include Jesus's Bible in mine, you know? Um, I thought it was New Testament only. I'm giving you a hard time. All right. So Galatians 3.27. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourself, have clothed yourself with Christ. Acts 2.36 through 41. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. This is Paul talking to them, Paul or Peter. Peter. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, what did he say first? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone who the Lord calls to himself. Here's that Calvinism again. Everyone who the Lord calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witnesses and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then I'm going to go back to the Old Testament briefly to prove God's grace. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's what America needs to do right now. So Johnson City needs to do, as far as I'm concerned, on the 25th, we need to figure out how we're going to handle this situation. And... uh But if America does not turn back and face and, and, and seek God's face, then I worry for the whole world. So we're going to go ahead and pass around um, the stuff back to the bread. Can you pass it around? Just pass it to you, right? So there's bread and wine we're going to do. Wait for me. <laughs> All right, I know it's tasty bread. You know, it's probably the first time you've ever gotten a cracker that wasn't bad. 
that wasn't like terrible, awful, stale. I actually went on that cinnamon bread because if it's Jesus's body in theory, it's going to be sweet. So go ahead, pass it around. And then the other one's got the, uh, it should be take a little bit of cracker out of there and wait and wait. Last time I'm like, man, everyone's crunching. I'm still talking. <laughs> and then pass the, uh, the, the juice is the one for the cups and the wine is the ones without it. Thank you, brother. You pass it over to them. All right, now before we eat and drink, before we eat and drink, we are up, oh, Lauren's here. You got your little, ah, she's got a gluten-free crisp. She's the only one who's got something that's bad. The wine's right there. Amen. So this is for baptized people. This is for believers, Okay. As we went over last week, amen, that's right. All right, we're going to take a moment. You people at home, we're going to take a moment as well if you didn't watch last week. When you do the Lord's Supper, you are rededicating yourself for the Lord. So examine yourself boldly. Repent of your sins before you take this, or you will bring judgment down upon yourself. Any part of your life, pray for the Holy Spirit to come down into you and to search you out. Let's go to prayer while we do this. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now to rededicate our, our lives to you, Lord. Lord, send your Holy Spirit into us and root through us mercilessly. Bring to the top, to the surface, any sins that we have forgotten about or we think we've been hiding from you. Lord, I pray everyone who's watching the show right now who's about to rededicate their life to you would have a clean, 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 be wiped clean by bringing it all to you. Emptying themselves to be filled with you, Lord. Lord, this also is not just a dedication to you and a remembrance of you, but this is a commitment. This is a commitment to one another, Lord. This is a commitment to your body, which is the church, Lord. This is a commitment to our fellow man, our fellow Christian men and women all around us. Sometimes it's easy to say that we're committed to you but we leave those behind of us who need us most. So, Lord, we're going to spend a good couple minutes here in thoughtful prayer and reflection, and then I will tell you when to eat drink.
right. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, take this. This is my body. All right, so go ahead and eat. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for their forgiveness, for their for their forgiveness of their sins. Go ahead and drink. Now just renewed your covenant with Jesus Christ. Father and the Holy Spirit. Stand strong, stand proud. Not the bad pride, but the pride in him. For you are under the king, king of all kings. That's all we have for you today. Grace and peace to you. Thank you guys for watching online, and thank you guys for everyone here. Have a great week. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Patriot Crusader Mission Podcast. To support this ministry, please go to our website at patriotcrusadermission.org to make a tax-deductible donation or to tie it to our church. Grace and peace to you. Thank you for standing shoulder to shoulder with us in today's spiritual vanguard on Christian Warrior Talk, presented by Christian Warrior Mission. As we've united in prayer, let's hold fast to the truth in Nehemiah 4.14. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Until next time, let's keep a humble and grateful heart, deliberately pursue our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and equip ourselves with the full armor of God. You're not walking this path alone. Lock shields with us, and together we will hold the line. May God bless you all.